dance if we want to We can leave your plans behind Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine See, we can go where we want to Place where they will never find you can go where you want to, and you found your way here to the Safe Titles Podcast. I'm Dr. Grace Ambrosak, and your host. This year's Safe Titles Podcast is sharing the over 100 interviews of employed adults who are blind or mobility visually impaired that I conducted between the years 1999 and 2001. And we're counting forwards from the oldest to the youngest. This week is Myrna. Another work colleague of mine who I interviewed March of 2000. In 1939, Myrna was just three months old when her mother noticed she wasn't reacting to things appropriately. And the doctors determined that she was born blind, but they didn't know what the cause was. She attended regular schools, learned Braille, and earned both her bachelor's and master's degrees in music education. She taught music in public schools for 11 years, only the second blind person in New York State to do so. Then joined the Lighthouse for the Blind, where she taught assistive technology for 34 years before retiring, and then became a self-employed instructor teaching assistive technology to private students. Myrna and her husband, who is also blind, live in Brooklyn. In 2016, she got her 10th dog guide. She said, I prefer a guide dog to a white cane. A dog is faster, safer, and I don't have to think about every step I take. When I'm out with my dog, we own the streets. Myrna is a great cook, likes her gadgets, reads a wide variety of books, and loves to teach people to use computers and new technology. My husband jokes that I am a computer. Please join me in listening to my interview with my friend Myrna, who was born seven years before the long white cane was invented. Where, where were you born? I was born in Brooklyn. And where do you live now? I live in Brooklyn, but I didn't always live in Brooklyn. <laughs> I just kind of started there and ended up there. What do you do for a living? Um, I pretend to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my title is supposedly Senior Technology Specialist. Fun. Um, where did you go to college? I went to, um, um, now what's it called now? It's, it's Fredonia, but it's the, um, the whole silly title is S-U-N-Y Fredonia. And uh, what's your highest degree? Um, well, that was my bachelor's, and I went to NYU for my master's, so my highest degree is master's in music education. How long have you had a vision impairment? From forever. Uh, from birth? Yeah. What's the name of it? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> they just said that my macular never functioned and that um, I guess there's lots of pigmentation on the retina, and now the optic nerve is, you know, decayed, so who knows. Neat. But I do see light on a good day. Did you see light on a good day? Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, when did you first realize you were visually impaired? Probably forever. I don't remember realizing that I was visually impaired. I just knew it. Yeah. Um, when did you first um, start traveling independent of other people? Um, when I was 16, because they weren't teaching. When I was around, they weren't teaching cane travel um, to kids. You know, I mean, I could go out, like, um, 
but for example, we um, we had my, my grandparents had a hotel in the country in, in in the Catskills, and I could kind of travel around the grounds by myself independently okay, uh-huh. without cane, without anything. But I but I really wasn't. I, I would say really to be an independent traveler, you know, in the subways of New York and get where you want to get and stuff like that. When I was like sixteen and a half. So before you're sixteen, you traveled around your neighborhood by yourself. A little? I could go. Yeah, I could go to like. Um, to mail something, yeah. Uh-huh. I think I could. Well, yeah. Or, or out to, you know, not, yeah, let's say or around the grounds. I mean, but I mean, not in, in New York City, like you wouldn't be crossing streets because that would be too. And were you totally blind from birth? Yeah, yeah I had exactly what I have now. Maybe I had a little bit more um, shadow vision. Uh-huh. But that's not, you know, I mean, not much. There wasn't any significant. Did you go to school? I mean, and to public school? Yeah, I went to public school with, a, with what they call the Braille class. Now they're calling them resource rooms. And that's what I did for grade school. And for high school, I just went to regular high school, and I had people reading to me and, you know, helping them. Like my sister um, did a lot of reading for me for my homework. And then my mom ran around and got books brailled, and then recording for the blind started to happen, and I got stuff on tape. So how, what did you do about getting around school? Um, when I was in high school, um, I went around really with a sighted guide. Now, grade school, it was interesting because grade school, we we went, we were encouraged really to, you know, like to go to our, um, from our Braille class to regular class. And we just kind of went <laughs> without canes or anything. Right. And then in high school, um, I remember them saying to my mom, oh, we have, this is Jamaica High School, and oh, we have 5,000 kids in here, you know, we really don't want your daughter, you know, going around by herself. They were thinking of insurance parts, stupidly me, you know. I mean, right. I really didn't have any kids. If I had had cane travel skills, I would have done it. Right. But until I had cane travel skills, I really didn't do it. Okay. So I had, you know, went with somebody to school until they had, actually, then they had transportation um, pick us up, so then I didn't need to do that. But before that, I had really a sighted guide going, you know, not too good for self-esteem. I mean, what guy wants to take somebody out seeing somebody, you know, hanging on somebody's arm? Not too cool. No. Not, so, not too If I had to do it over again, it would be very different. So you remember having feelings of wanting not to have to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what happened when you were 16 then? They said, um, New York State Commission said to my mother, um, well, we to give your daughter mobility because if she is mobile, we're not going to sponsor her for college. Because uh-huh. my mother really didn't, you know, she's kind of fearful. Oh, I don't want to, you know, using the cane and da da da. And when they said that, my mother said, "Oh, okay, that's what happened." Right. It was called. Oh, you're not going to sponsor her? Well, then I better let her do it. And then after I did it, I mean, goodbye, mom. Nice knowing you. <laughs> I was out of there. So, do you remember? Um what was the method that they used to teach you mobility? Well, I learned here at the lighthouse. Uh-huh. And they really didn't have the kind of methods they have now. I mean, we're talking, um, let's see, 1950, what, 55? Yeah, 1950, probably, yeah, 1955 um, into 56. And so what they were doing in those days is they get, even into, even like into 1960, when I went upstate to um, 
to teach after college. They were doing the same thing at what is now NAVA, which used to be the Albany Association of the Blind. They just get a real par- high partial, you know, a person with a lot of partial vision. Uh-huh. That was a mobility instructor. Uh-huh. And um, they, it was very significant as I look back on it. The route was from my house to the lighthouse. <laughs> what, can, what can we say significantly about that? I mean, but it did encompass a bus and a subway and an escalator and stuff. So really, I mean, it was a pretty good route. So what you're saying is that the basically they they were there to teach you the, this one route. Yeah. And when and then, you had that, that was... Yeah. And then you kind of, you figured it out from there. So they gave you a cane. Yeah. And again, it wasn't the long cane. It's kind of a short cane. Came up to about... Where probably, you? probably your let me think. God, not where it should come now. Probably just a little above your waist or something. You know, it wasn't the long cane. Oh my, yeah, yeah. it was not the long cane. And um, do you think that they the instructor was a wooden cane? Right, a oh, wooden cane. Yeah. Do you think the instructor took into consideration what you brought with you to the lesson or what knowledge you had? Um. No, because you know what? They didn't even teach you. In the, I mean, I'll tell you who exactly it was. It was Roy Ward, who's now retired and living in Virginia someplace. Um, it, they didn't teach you traffic. They didn't teach you to listen to traffic. I mean, it, you know, it was a philosophy. The philosophy was, oh, you know, teach them as much as they, um, and, you know, and you got, and so that you end up needing to get people to, you know, help you cross the street because they really didn't teach you, teach you traffic at all. I see. And then you kind of learn from other people. I mean, your best teachers are other blind people, really. Yeah. How did you meet them? Um, through here. We, you know what was really interesting? There were seven of us that were really, really good friends. And when we were probably, you know, senior in high school, then when you came back from college or something, everybody used to go, you know, used to go someplace together. And, I mean, it was a riot because everybody was in the same boat. Everybody had done this little bit of cane travel stuff. Uh-huh. And... So you kind of all taught each other, and you all went with each other, and you knew that, like in safety, there are numbers. Yeah. And nothing was going to happen, and we we all got lost a couple of times, and then, you know, one got, one time this police officer came. Who's who's your leader? It was really funny. That is funny. I mean, it was a, it was a sketch, but um, but you really went, and you weren't afraid. I mean, you just went out there and went. Right. My mother would say, "Well, how are you going to get to whatever? I have a mouse. That's it." To to ask for sure. directions. Oh, sure. So it was the instruction was what? Put the cane in front of you Put and the cane in front you know, typical I mean, they did teach you cane technique, so it was, you know, your you know, the cane you know, one foot goes out, cane goes on the other side, but you know, cane's always ahead of you. I mean it was a basic cane technique. That it was. It uh-huh. was safe. I mean you were safe. But you didn't have all the other kinds of instructions that you should have. I mean you didn't really um it, no, he didn't even teach me how to get on an escalator. I take that back. I learned years later from a, from a person who's blind. Um, <laughs> but it, it was really, you know, and they taught you a little in, in, indoor kind of crazy thing, but you put, the cane wasn't even, you didn't even use the cane. You kind of you held it kind of crosswise in front of you or something. Well, uh-huh. like that. Um, so it was just basic cane technique. And that's really all it was. And, and you know, and some safety. How how to be safe and what? Yeah, how to be safe. How to get a you know how do you get from here to there and um, you know basic subway stuff and but not really crossing street you know not really listening for traffic patterns not 
and not really too much on the orientation side of you know saying because yeah. I knew that route. I mean, you know, I'd gone that way little the times with, you know, with my mother, with um, a volunteer guide at the lighthouse I'd gotten. So I knew where it was going to go. Right. Um, so that was it ever said out loud, when you want to cross the street, ask for help? I think so. Yeah. I think so. In those days, I think it was. Yeah. And how long did you, did it, do you get instruction for? Probably trying to think. Probably like two months. Yeah. Probably like once a week. Once a week for two months. Yeah. Um, what travel tool do you use now? Guide dog. Um, how did that come about? Um, let's see. Did Kane um, went around the city, you know, after after my little basic thing and the and the seven of us that kinda learned from each other. Uh, let's see, went away to college, went, you know, did the city when I came home, went to teach up in Schenectady. Um, then I had a little bit of, of instruction up there, again, from another, you know, person who was a high partial. But there was no transportation. Right. Met a couple people with guide dogs, saw that they could do some stuff that I couldn't do, and said, hey, how can you, you know, how do you do that? Like what? Um, they could cross some of the streets that, um, because then I guess I learned traffic patterns by then. Okay, so I, could, I was crossing the streets. So then I um, by yourself or from your friends or um, no. Somebody said, "See, look at that. You know, you, you got to listen for traffic." Oh, okay. Friends. So then, other um, blind friends. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then um, when I was up there, there was really. I mean, you, there were streets with no lights on them. There were streets that. Um, you could turn a corner and kind of not know it because it was like parking, like parking lot type thing. You know, it wasn't a block with a building and stuff. And I met two people with guide dogs from Guiding Eyes and um, was really impressed. That, hey, and you know, and then I walked with one person because I never walked with anybody with guide dogs because first of all, in those days, um, well, my mom was afraid of dogs. Okay, so I never got encouragement there. The agencies, blindness agencies, okay were not encouraging. They discourage people from getting guide dogs. Uh, right and left. Oh, you don't want one of those. Yeah. Oh, you'd have to you'd have to go out in the round. Oh, you don't want those. Oh, it's not welcome. And in some of the blindness agencies, the dogs were not welcome, i got to tell you. Because uh, I had experience here in probably, let's see, about 1968. Had a guide dog. Um, was sitting down in the this building, which was the old, you know, the old building before it was renovated. Uh -huh. And in those days, you could go down at noontime. I had readers because I was teaching, so I, I probably was using reading service, um, you know, some vacation or something. Went down, um, was sitting there, you know, I had a brown sandwich, and they would, you could get coffee and stuff. And uh, Marion Held, who was in those days director of direct services, that was her title. And I knew Marion for because I was a kid here, and. Um, and so she came and said, oh, you can't bring that dog in here. And I said, oh, yes, I can. I said, you can bring this dog in any restaurant in the city. I certainly can bring this dog in here. She came up to me and apologized. Good. Because they were, you know, a, a, you know Camp Lighthouse, back in the, whenever it was, probably the 70s, um, did not allow people with guide dogs in their dining room. Oh, my. Well, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you've had a 
a wealth of time with having to educate people on oh, yeah. their ability to bring them in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any particular other stories that stick out about that? Um, don't go to Chinatown in New York. Why is that? They won't let you bring, you know, they have a whole bad time about that. A lot of Chinese restaurants, um, cab drivers, try the Muslim car service drivers. Yeah. So you just avoid it and don't deal with it? No, you have to deal with it. Yeah. Because you need to get where you need to get. Right. So what do you do about that? You talk to the Taxi Limousine Commission. Uh-huh. They come down and you try to educate people and no one is there to get educated. Somebody took them to court. Um, former consumer of mine took them to court. One car services. She's an attorney and she's down in... Um, where I live down in Brooklyn Heights because the courts are not that far and called up this particular car service and I used to always tell them I have, um, it's me with the guide dog you know so I want I'm letting you know because um, I know a lot of your drivers won't take a dog so I'm letting you know so you can get a driver that will take a dog right well she didn't tell them which she didn't need to tell them they came and the driver said no no dog no dog and he went away and they were going to she called him up and she was real angry oh we'll send another person and da, da, da. she sued him they called me up and said, look, you know, we're being sued, and we'd like you to sign an affidavit. I said, no way. No way. So because I've had trouble, people, you know, your drivers are, are I've had to tell you guys that, you know, who I am and what I have, um, and had to wait. I said, I'm not going to sign that. Yeah. And she won the lawsuit. Good. And, it's, and they still are not picking up. I mean, if I call them up, it's still, you know, you don't know if they're going to pick you up or not. Uh. It's ridiculous. How many um, different types of mobility tools have you tried? Cane, you know, and the long cane, and the folding cane, um, and the guide dog. I've looked at the laser. I've really never been out with it, but I, my husband had it for a little while. Uh-huh. And I, and I, you know, looked at it, and it was kind of interesting. Um, I looked at the Sonic Guide when that was out, but, you know, never really had a lot of experience with it. Somebody had it, and I just looked at it. Yeah. So you've tried the longer canes. When uh-huh. did you get longer canes? Um, let me think. When did I get, how did I get the longer canes? I think, again, friends and said, you know, you really, that's too short. You ought to get. And then I went out to um, an NFB conference in 1970 and, and then went to visit a friend in California. Um, and, and at this conference, met a friend of mine said, you know, you ought to talk to the person at the, since you're going to go be in California this summer, you ought to talk to the uh, person at the California Orientation Center, Alan Jenkins. And Alan is a member of NFB, or was a member of NFB, so I saw Alan at the, you know, thing and said, hey, you know, I said, you've got a really good mobility thing out there. And I had a guide dog. Uh-huh. But I said, you know, this um, friend who, you know, who he knew, um, I said, said, you know, tells me that I'm really not giving myself a chance. I really should do some cane travel. Can I do? Th-? He said. He said, you know what? Well, my mobility people are, of course, busy with, you know, with our consumers. But he said, I'd be glad to go with you. And he was a very good cane traveler. He had Neat. a little bit of fight. Again, you know, a blind person. It was real interesting. And I learned more stuff that summer. Neat. Like what? Um. I just good techniques and good, you know, traffic patterns and good stuff. And we've been on escalators and um, lots of escalators one day. Um, and it was really interesting. And um, what did you like about um, that day, that instruction? 
Um, I liked it. Well, one of the things was it was it was interesting because I knew he was doing it, so I knew it was perfectly possible. Right. Um, the other thing, it was, um, you know, good, solid stuff that you could do. And then the the other instruction that I had that I really liked is when I was, so then I was traveling with a cane because I had given up this one guide dog. I was, the, part of that was also that because I was had a guide dog that had a lot of problems. And uh. I thought, maybe I'm just not a guide dog for it. Maybe I should just, you know. And, um. And I'll tell you whose influence that was, too. NFB also. NFB was not for guide dogs. I went uh-huh. to the convention, and someone said, oh, you really look good. And he said, but you look a lot better without that harness. Huh. Which, you know, really. And I was having some problems with her. So she was a kind of, she was a good guide, but she didn't like to stay alone. If you left her alone, she'd tear up your house. She had a lot of separation anxiety. Oh, yeah. She was a boxer. And so I said, well, or maybe I haven't really given myself a chance. So. After the California experience, I did travel in New York for a while, and then I did decide to get um, a guide dog because California is very different. California, when you step step out in the street, they will stop. Right. New York, they will turn and kill you. <laughs> so, um, but but I did. I mean, I did travel for a while, and you know, and really, really just looked at it and said, no, I think I'm more comfortable with a dog. And then when I was between dogs, um, seven years ago, when my Betsy was had cancer. And I said to Betty Bird one day, I said, gee, Betty, you know, I'm going to, I don't know if, if, if Betsy dies, and I don't know if, when, God forbid, she would do that, and if I have to wait to get a dog. And, Bet, and Betty said, well, why don't you just go take some extra mobility lessons now in case you have to use a cane? She said, why don't you go ask, you know, Martin to, to get you somebody? So Martin came and said, well, what about Bob? And I said, that's fine. So Bob Sundberg and I went out, and Bob was great. Bob was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, and again, you know, it was good, solid stuff. It was a lot of review and a lot of, but but still, you know, telling me some 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 good stuff and like what? Well, the first thing that happened, I noticed when I'm traveling with the cane, I'm slower. I don't like it. See, one thing I like about the dog is I like to go at a nice yeah. clip, not not run, but go at a nice clip. You know? Yeah. That was what impressed me at first about a guide dog, and so Bob said, "Slow down, slow down. You're gonna you're, you're going ahead of the cane." I go. It's okay to slow down. He goes, well, yeah. Why wouldn't it be okay? And I go, well, you know, I don't want to look like this <laughs> groping lady here. No, no. He said it's fine. So I mean, and he, and he was really good. He was just really good. He was good and solid, and and you know, um, and real. And where are you now? And made you really think. And now, Bob was very good. So and, and it sounds that, like there's a conflict with what you said is that you don't like to slow down but it was good when he said you were able to well, slow because, down. Well, because I always thought that I looked weird if I, you know, I look kind of gropey if I slow down. But, uh-huh. but he said, no, you can't, you know. I mean, I don't like it. What I'm saying is I don't, I like to go faster but when I'm with a cane I don't like to look kind of gropey and kind of inept. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when he said, no, it's okay to slow down. No, you don't look that way. That kind of you know, but I still like a dog because I can go faster. Yeah. So both are true is what I'm saying. Interesting. So what was what are some comparisons between um, working with a blind mobility instructor and working with a sighted mobility instructor? What are some differences? Oh, uh, what was the difference? I don't know, because they were both really good. The person, you know, that wasn't was the, was the two partials. <laughs> they weren't good because they just didn't have much. No, nah, they didn't have the, they didn't really have, I mean, I mean, um, now, the blind person, I mean, Alan was not trained in parapatology. You know, he didn't go through a master's in parapatology. He went through his own experience. Right. The sighted person, Bob, of course, went through the master's in, in parapatology. And so he had, you know, curriculum and he had, you know, he had sequence and he had. So both of them were good, but, you know, for different reasons. But the partials. Forget it. For what? For what reasons? 
Why were they good? Yeah. Because there was sequence, because there was solid technique, because, um, you know, paid a lot of attention to orientation. Um, it was general. It wasn't root. Yeah. See, it wasn't, you know, and when I actually, the when I when I worked with, with Alan, who was the blind guy, Alan said, you don't want to do, be a root traveler, and that's what you're, you know, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking in roots, and you don't want to be. Able, you don't want to do that. You want to be able to go anywhere you want to go. Right. How is the cane and the dog the same, and how are they different? Well, they both afford independence. Uh-huh. Okay, and they're different because it really, you know what? It's really up to the person. My husband is a cane traveler. He he says, I, I mean, Pat is on the subways constantly. He's a piano tuner technician. He's all over the city, all over the city. Probably travels more than I do during the day. Uh-huh. He's pretty fast, but I am faster. I mean, I will wait for him at the corner and go, "Hey, slowpoke, where are you?" Ah, <laughs> uh, well, there was construction. Yeah. See, and and um, with a with a cane, you you will find stuff, but then you have to figure out well, how to get around this. With a dog, you know, like especially like the dogs now that are coming out of Fidelco, that are coming out of Eric Laurie's program at Freedom. You know, it's like. Um, it's like, okay, find your way. Get me out of this. Right. Get me out of this mess. Go ahead, find your way. Um, and so, it, you know, that's nice. It kind of takes the stress off a little bit, I think. How's that? I think it takes your stress off a little bit. How? Because with a cane, you're confronted with this object. Now, how do I get around it? Right. What do I do here? With a dog, you, you know, you have to keep your orientation, and you should. And, and you know, you should never say, I'm going to let my dog do it, because that's not it. And the guide dog school will tell you that. You're responsible for your own orientation. Right. You're responsible for those traffic patterns and hearing them. But you know that, God forbid, if you make a mistake, you know, you, you got to have a chance, because you got this dog that's going to push you back or push you forward or push you whatever. Yeah. So when you're going to a new place, uh-huh. you're trying to locate a place for the first time, uh-huh. um, you ask all the directions that you can before uh-huh. you go. And with a cane, with a dog. With a dog. Yeah. I mean, you, you can ask all the directions that you can. You know, how close is it? Where is where is it? What side of the street is it on? Okay, so it's between Lexington and Park. Well, is it closer to Lex or closer to Park? Um, also, do you have a sign out there? Because I might ask somebody in the street, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all, the, all the stuff that you need to ask. Whether you're using a cane or whether you're using a dog, you're going to ask the same stuff. Well, locating the door for the first time is a little different with a dog, isn't it? Yeah, because, well, with a dog, no, with a dog, like, um, it all depends where you got trained. Now, one of the things that I kind of like about Fidelco, because I have a new Fidelco dog right now. Uh-huh. Um, What's the name of it, Fidelco? Fidelco is in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And they do shepherds. How do you spell it? F-I-D-E-L-C-O. Lenny, Lenny Goldstein has a Fidelco dog. Uh-huh. Ingrid um, McAuliffe, who te- is customer service at Enterprise, she has a Fidelco dog. And they teach their dogs what? Um, they teach their dogs left inside, right inside, so that find a doorway for me. Neat. Um, guiding eyes will teach left, left, or right, right, and it's kind of like, well, if you see someplace you can get in. But it's not that highly, um, Fidelco really concentrates on it. And I know Eric Laurie at Freedom Dog also does it. And I think the people at Guide Dog Foundation do it, too. And the reason they all do it, (laughs) there's one big reason. John Byfield, um, who's been around as a guide dog trainer for a lot of years, John's from England. And when John came over, he he worked first at Guide Dog Foundation in Smithtown. And he trained all the 
um, you know, the head trainers. He trained John Beagle and he trained Emily. And, he tra and of course, they then trained all their people. But John really trained them, so they, they're training like basically like John trained them. Yeah. Um, Eric Laurie used to work for John, both at Fidelco and at Guide Dog Foundation. So Eric had his basic training from John. Right. So if you get basic training from John, you're going to do that. You're going to learn to train dogs to do to that. To do that, yeah. And Which it's is very, very helpful. Yeah, it's an important skill. Yeah. That they will locate the door. And then when you go in, you ask if this is the place you wanted. Oh, yeah. You ask and you, you know. Neat. Do you own canes now? Yes. How many do you own? Oh, God. I have a long cane and I have a folding cane. And when do you use a cane? Um, sometimes I don't take my dog. Sometimes if I go to a wedding and we get a ride, um, I don't take her because there's no reason to take her. And you can't get up and dance with this dog under the table and then somebody's going to feed her and then, you know. Right. We've gone on vacations with my sister and brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is not a dog person. In fact, we are we are not happy right now with each other. Oh. So when I've got, we've gone on vacations, I've taken the cane and, you know, used it. Um, uh, and sometimes, you know, even like um, when when my dog Kit, when Kit was, when I was retiring, or I just retired her in October, she was getting older, and you could see, like, it's a Kit, and she wouldn't want to move. Okay, yeah. you're tired. Um, you just take the cane and kind of go around this building. Also, canes are good, useful for one thing. I found when we were in our exile at 800 Second Avenue, I found that really learning it with a cane um, was better because you could, you know, you could you could feel stuff. Yeah. Sometimes for orientation, it's really good to use a cane because with a dog, you know, you can't trail walls and stuff like that. Right. So what did you learn? You learned the building? Yeah, yeah. It's good for orientation. It really is. Neat. Neat. Um, how do you get to and from work? Dog. Subway. Are there any skills of the subway that you could pass along? Any tips? Uh, well, you know what's really been nice is the warning strips up here. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, really nice. And and we, you know, got um, there was a talk about should you walk along the platform because um, there were a couple of people who fell off the platform with dogs, and I don't say I know in one case. Um, Pam Schneider, which was like in 1993, it was a real hot July day, and I think Pam got disoriented. I don't think it was a dog. Yeah. Um, but then they talked about, no, don't walk on the platform. And then when I got trained that, um, this year at Fidelco, I said to Mark, can I walk along the platform? And he said, well, sure. So, you know, you just have to keep, and people go crazy because you're, you're pretty near the tracks, but you aren't. The dog is. But it's better if you're on an island platform, you know, at the double edge. Uh -huh. It's better for you to be there because... If you're going to be, then then at least the dog is protecting you from the platform. If you get over too much over to the right, if you get in the middle and then get over too much to the right, you're going to be on that platform side. Right. So, um, you know, you want that dog on the left. You, and so people come along and say, oh, lady, you're on the edge. They go, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Especially if the warning strips are up, because you know where you are. Yeah. Um, what, do you ever use a cane with the dog? No. I know somebody that did. Um, he was from Canada and came to New York and did it, and then he got a new dog and, and got confident enough that he didn't anymore. Neat. I, I'll tell you when I have done it, actually. I shouldn't say that. When I, um, sometimes to give her a break, to take her out at night, uh -huh. just, you know, just go to the bathroom, I will heal her, and I'll use a cane. Neat. So she's not really being used with, right. 
you know. But in other words, here, take a break, dog. Don't you don't have to guide me here. Just go in here. I'll take a cane. Yeah. Because it's just a matter of going down, finding an opening, and then you know that's it. And when she was new, we we talked about that. You know, going the um, my first days of training, and that's what we, you know that's what we did. Um. What about uh, locating a seat, um, getting on and off the subway, or any kind of tips like that? <sighs> Not really. I mean, it's just what you're what you're trained to. You know, what your trainers tell you, whether it's a cane type thing or whether it's a um, a dog thing. Um, you, you just everybody trains you kind of the same way. You, you know, one of the things that, that Mark told me, and I think it's valid, except sometimes she's gone the other way is that when you're walking on the platform and the train train comes in, you know, stops and you've got the choice of going to your, let's say the train is on your left, okay? Yeah. It's definitely going to be on your left because you want to stand on that side. you got two doors. One, you would have to kind of turn around so the train's on your right to, to enter. Mark said don't do that because then you're putting yourself near the, near the edge again. Uh-huh. So you, you kind of want to... Um, Go down to the, you know, keep keep it so the train's on your left. Yeah. So that dog is between you and that platform. And then locate. Yeah, I'll tell you, I do have a trick that I do. It's not subway. It's Long Island Railroad and Metro North. What's that? And what you do is a lot of those stations, and you're a 914, so you, you probably have. Croton is famous for this. We call it the Croton Gap. And it's, um, you're going to have a big gap between the platform and the train. Right. What you do with a dog is you drop the harness. You don't work the dog. Drop the harness, and then I always, getting in, I always put my hand on the train. So I know where the, the train, the distance is from me to the train. And I let the dog go. Also, just say, okay, go. And the dog's on leash. Kind of let the leash go out so that you can feel how far the dog is going as well. Yeah. And coming down, because if you work the dog, you can't work the dog. You get no distance. So you really have to not work the dog, and you really kind of have to put your hand on that train to know that distance. Neat. So, but leaving the train... Leaving the train, what you do is, again, you don't work the dog. Uh-huh. Go down the stairs, keep your hand on the... Don't let your hand go off that banister so you have something. So if you don't make it, you've got something to hold on to. Let the dog go first, so again, you can feel how far that dog is going out. Then put your one foot out and keep that one foot back. You know, because you don't want to go splat on your face, and you got, you still got your heat on the train. So if if you don't make it, you can always come back. Yeah. Neat. Now with a cane, there's where a cane may give you more help than a dog, because with a cane you can judge the distance. Yeah. You can just clear it. Yeah. So there's sometimes I mean you know I don't think one is the answer. I think it really depends on the individual person. You know, you get these people, oh, you don't want a dog, or these other people, oh, you don't want a cane. No, no, no. Whatever is good for someone. I talk to people about dogs. Sometimes I'll say, have you ever considered, you know, getting a guide dog? Or um, are you comfortable with it? If they tell me they're not comfortable with their cane, are you comfortable with Oh, yeah, yeah, I really love it. Fine. If they tell me, oh, I'm not comfortable, well, have you ever thought of getting a guide dog? And they'll say, yeah, but I don't want to do this, and da 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 okay. Or, yeah, I'd like to know more about it. And then I start telling them more about it. Yeah. Then I take a, t- take a couple consumers and um, said, have you ever walked with anybody with a guide dog? No. So, oh, come here. Taking them and let them, you know, hold my arm. Uh-huh. And then 
um, uh, my right arm and then work the guy like down a hall or something like that, you know, in a real safe. Um, and I said, here, here's what this feels like. And then he's like, wow, you go fast. <laughs> I can't go that. Oh, wow, you know. That's neat. So that's a neat trick. Um, what about with taxis when they finally do let you in? Um, do you have any tricks for making sure you don't get let off at the wrong place? or that, you, know? you know, I just ask you, where are you now? <laughs> uh-huh. you and I insist. No, you're not going to let me out. Well, it was the last one. It was Penn Station. He was going to let me out. I said, no, you're not. don't want to go there. I want to go where I want to go. But, lady, I, always, I don't care where you always let everybody out. No. Uh, I'd be on the corner, <laughs> because I want to go down that escalator. I want to hit the Am- Amtrak passenger service. I know where I want to be. And I had a cane that time because I was going up to Fidelco to get my dog. I was going to do some training. Fidelco does training at home, but I was going to go up there because I wanted to do, for like three or four days, I wanted to do more than urban training. I wanted to do some rural training, and I wanted to do some suburban training. Neat. So... You said to get to Penn Station, once you got there, you knew where you wanted to get out of the taxi. Yeah. And he was just going to let you off where he always stops. But people. I said no. So that's an interesting thing. No. And he he, he complied eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and like when I go home, I'll, I'll say, do you know Brooklyn? No, I don't know Brooklyn. Okay, do you know how to get to the Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah, I know how to get. Okay, fine. You get to the Brooklyn Bridge. You get on the bridge. You let me know that you got on the bridge. I'm going to tell you exactly how to get off, exactly where to turn. I'm right over the Brooklyn Bridge. Neat. So it's important you feel that you are able to direct the time. Oh, you have to. This is why, you know, orientate. This is why going back to, you know, um, when, when you said to me, we were, you know, your first key travel experience, why wasn't it? Because orientation is very important. Yeah. You know, and my husband will say to me, how could you think you were on so-and-so street when the, when the traffic was going that way? Oh, you're, oh damn it, Pat, you're right. You know, you know what street you're, okay, you're at, um, you know, like little tricks. Okay, you know what, you're at 59th Y. The traffic's going east. Yeah. So do you use cardinal directions a lot? Do I use what? Cardinal directions. What do you mean cardinal? Uh, north, south, yeah. east? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody told me that. We were down, we, it was really funny. This is just going to go back to, my God, it had to be the early 60s. And somebody, again, we were talking about. North, south, east, and west. And I said, so what good is that? And he started telling me, you know, of course, Manhattan, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, Manhattan, it's a great... Oh, you know, you're absolutely right, because if you get out of the train and the train is traveling, hey, you're right, absolutely. I learn more from other blind people. Neat. Neat. Um, have you ever been disoriented? Sure, everybody gets disoriented. <laughs> if they tell you they're not, they're lying to you. The snow. Oh, the snow is wonderful, but disoriented. Well, what do you do? Say, um, Jody, let's go home. <laughs> um, now, the snow is, I knew somebody that got a guide dog because she, di- she was diabetic. She's no longer around. She's tired, but she's diabetic, and she was in her backyard and got lost in the snow. And then finally heard the wind chime or something, and that kind of gave her orientation, and she was just scared. Yeah. I mean, the snow is horrible. That's the other reason I got a guide dog, because I was Schenectady. Yes, you know, that, that's, you can't, I mean, there's, and there, they don't think about pedestrians. Right. Not at all. Everything is just a pile up. So. And that is, that's really disorder. You can't feel anything. You don't know anything in the snow. Yeah. So the, Jody, the dog, 
um, is able to remember the route home. It was only, I mean, hey, Joe, I mean, we, I took her out in the snow last night. Uh -huh. and it was great big piled up, and I find a place to take her out, and I thought, you know, traffic sounds strange to me, and I thought, am I facing a different way than I think I'm, uh -huh. and I go, Jody, let's go home. She got me onto the sidewalk. I knew I was on the sidewalk, and it was okay. Neat. Because if I had a cane, I wouldn't have been out there because I wouldn't have needed to take Jody out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, how do you feel about traveling alone to unfamiliar places? I do it. How do you prepare for travel to unfamiliar places? I mean, you just you just ask. You need to ask. I mean, I've been I've traveled alone to conferences. Uh huh. Um, with, with nobody. I went to a women's conference once out in California. Didn't know anybody. And I, you know get off the plane and somebody says, said, did you, you know, ever been here before? And she said, no. She said, I don't know anybody. I said, yes, you do. You know me. <laughs> we spent the conference together. How fun. Um, I mean, you have to be willing to ask. I go on job sites. I used to go on job sites all the time. And I just used to come find out, you know, where they were and, um, you know, arrange maybe to meet, have somebody, you know, could you have, could you meet me downstairs or could you have one of your coworkers do that or, you know, whatever or is there a... Um, an elevator person in the lobby and, you know, could you, okay, you know, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, what about airports? You mentioned, uh... Well, airline, I mean, airports, you just go to the counter and say, help. Yeah. Any interesting stories about how they choose to help? Other than they want to put you in a wheelchair. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. Right. I, I mean, but one of their logic is, well, if we put you in this thing where they'll put you on the electric cart. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of people go on those carts. And if we put you on the cart, it's a lot easier because then we don't have to carry your luggage and try to help you. And, and um, you know, it's a lot easier. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Right. Um, has that changed over the years, how you've got airport working? Walking? Um, no, I don't really think so. I think the airports are, you know, they do the same thing. I've seen, I haven't seen any big changes over the years. Uh -huh. so sometimes you go in, they hand you, would you like a braille book of, this, of the CD? Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Have you ever been put in one of those rooms? No, I've heard about that. <laughs> oh, I heard about that. No. It's not happened to you. Where, what, where did I read that? Oh, I did hear that. Yeah. Um, they got, somebody got... And then they were supposed to come and get them, and they never came again. Right. Yeah, but if I was in one of those rooms, like if I'm sitting there, and I hear the boarding announcement, and the airline is supposed to come, you know, and, and, and assist me, and if they don't, I, I'm going to stand up. I'm not staying there. Right. Yeah, I'm moving. I'm not staying there. Right. So what about um, unfamiliar hotels? Any tips? Or? Well, you know, I usually ask, like, like the um, the bellman to kind of there's you know things I need to know like okay so where is um, on the phone how do you get the front desk you know what do you need to dial okay how does the air conditioner work two big things you need to know sure how's the air conditioner work and how do you um, end the phone and where's your fire exit just in case neat and my husband and I did this thing at the Waldorf um, when, when we were gonna do Vision 99 they asked us to come and be sort of the, the two, um, you know, just two visually impaired guests and see what, give them feedback. So we got to do that this year, or, or last June, actually. That was, oh, kind nice. of, that was so much fun. 
<laughs> and he's a game person. I'm a dog person, so that was pretty cool. So what, what were you doing just to give them feedback on their service? Or? Yeah, give, yeah, give them feedback on how they could, um, because of the, co the upcoming conference, how they could better do it. And, you know. Me? Yeah. They were good. I mean, but they were really good. Did you give them any tips? Or? Yeah, yeah, we did. Like what? Oh, what did, oh, God. I have to look back if it's been, been so long. It's been almost a year ago. Um, oh, I know about when we're eating in the restaurants and we said, you know, tell people what when you put down bread and tell people where you put, you know, yeah. little stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't very much, but, you know, it was it was that. And, um, yeah. And we, you know, and we told, we asked them, like, oh, show us where the fire exit. We said, you know, you should really just do that in case somebody doesn't ask you. Or these are the things that you might, when you're showing the, you know, visually impaired guests in the guest room, these are the things you want to include. Show them this and show them that. Stuff like that. Um, what about locating your room and um, elevators? And well, now things are braille. Yeah. See, now it's a whole different story. People used to put rubber bands on their doors. And then there was a story about the NFB convention where everybody put a rubber band on their some kind of crazy thing like that. They, <laughs> but they would go and do dymo tapes. They, you know, the the years ago, that, I guess the last one that we did in New York had to be right before I got married. So it was 1973, and we we put dymo on the elevator, we put dymo on the doors. I can't remember which hotel it was that. It was like the New York, maybe the New York Hilton or something. Uh huh. Yeah, we did. But you don't need to do that anymore. Neat. Because now more and more hotels that you go to, it's there. Good. Um. How do you establish your position in the environment? What do you mean? How do you know where you are? How do you know where you are? Out on the street, in a, in a, in a room, what? Both. Um, out in the street, traffic. You know, like some, if you're thinking, gee, am I on so-and-so street or so-and-so street? Again, if you're familiar with it, which way is the traffic going? In a room? In a room, furniture, location of furniture, you know. Have you used, do you use maps of any kind? I've looked at them. Sometimes, you know what I really thought was neat? Have you, you know about Atlas Speaks? Yeah. I thought Atlas Speaks was neat. I've, I've gotten some roots. I actually found some roots of Atlas Speaks. What'd you do? Just, you know, kind of go along and say, and, and we're going to, um, it was a subway training at the Transit Museum. Uh-huh. I had it loaded on my computer because I was beta testing it. Okay, so start from here, and then you go down, and I said, okay, yeah. And then, you know, it would say you come to the intersection of this, and you come to this, and the next intersection is that. And I know Jim Kozak, who used to teach here, who's, who's got real damn good usable vision. He's probably on the borderline of, of you know, 2200. And Jim was going to, to a, a consumer and he wanted to find out if he was going to need to take a bus from the train. And he got Atlas loaded. Yeah, okay. Put it up. And we started counting blocks. So it was really cool. I mean, we I liked it. Where'd you get it from? We were asked to beta test it. Arkansas asked us to beta test Neat. it. Neat. Neat. So we did. And um, and then, I, in fact, I suggested it to, who was it? Somebody. I said, oh, I know a friend of mine down in Texas. And I said, y you know, why don't you get out with Speaks? And that will give you a kind of really good idea of, of your whole, uh, uh, it was, you know, she's down in Houston. And she just recently got a uh, her guide dog. Neat. So, now that has to be on the computer? Yes. 
So that's kind of hard to bring with you, or no? No, no, no. No, um, they're talking about this GPS thing that would be like in a little laptop that you'd be, Mike May has tested it in San Francisco, and he's um, back, who was it? was it? I think 2020 did a piece on it. And, um, but, you know, do you want to carry a laptop around? Right. That's the deal. Um, and, and actually, he said it, he didn't think it was going to work really well in New York because the buildings were too high. Uh, yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. Um, what one thing that happens frequently when you're traveling that you like the least? People grabbing you. Does that happen? Oh, sure. Well, what do they do? Just grab you. They're going to be helpful, Harry. <laughs> they don't talk. They just grab So, at what point, what do you say to them? Um, if I'm, if I'm relaxed, excuse me, did you want something? Right. Um, if I'm not relaxed, please let go. Right. I was trying to help you. I know, but that's not the way. Right. You know, it's either, and if it's really like, I try to take, may I take your arm? You know, and you just drop the harness and take their arm. Or, um, no, I'm fine. If you, if you, you know, you're familiar, you know where you are, and you don't really need help. And I love when they push you from the back. That's the other one. <laughs> I am not a shopping cart. <laughs> where does that usually happen? Anywhere. Yeah. They're trying to push you into the train. You didn't ask them to push you into the train. Right. Excuse me? You know, let go. It's annoying. Because then it's really crucial. I mean, you're going to get pushed. You're going to get off bounds. Let, please, let go. What about with the buses? Do they try to help you into that? Or? No, not as much. It's really trying to push you in the trains, uh-huh. push you on the escalator, which you really can have an accident. Yeah. Um, do you take the buses? Um, I take some buses. I don't have a lot of vacation to do, but if I'm going um, over to see one friend who's across uh, the 57th Street bus crossing up, yeah, and... Um, Sometimes over to Animal Med or back from Animal Animal Med. We were trying to find the bus. <laughs> we were in training. We couldn't. We hardly could find the bus. It wasn't worth it. We're like three blocks, but we wanted to do some bus training with her, so we did it. Explain this to me now. You, your animal. And we, um, we went over to Animal Medical Center uh-huh. when I was in training with um, with Jody just to get her records over there and stuff. And we were going to do a. We were going to go back by bus just to get do some bus training with her. Oh, I see. But we could hardly find the bus, and then we found it like three blocks that we went. It was really funny. <laughs> we went. When you say you could hardly find the bus, what do you mean? I mean, we, we could, we were looking around, and I was with Mark, who could see perfectly, and we were looking around for the bus stops for the 57th Street. Um, it's a bus that goes supposedly down York Avenue and then going over 57th Street. Right. We had the hardest time finding that bus. Ah. Uh, and this, you're with a sighted person. Yeah. Right? You couldn't find it. <laughs> So Nobody knew where it was. How do you usually locate bus stops? Well, I usually have to ask. You know, I'll say, can you tell me? I, I mean, I know I'm on the block. Cause I'll usually go. Again, you know, asking in advance and then. Who who do you ask in advance? Um, you can call up the transit authority. You uh-huh. can call, you know, a- anybody around here. Hey, you guys know where the so-and-so is? You know, just like you would do probably. Yeah. And then um, you get on the block and then you just stop somebody. Excuse me, can you tell me where the bus shelter is? Nate. Um, what do you want sighted pedestrians to do when they want to help? Ask. May I help you? Would you like some help? Yeah. How do you handle being lost or disoriented? Wait for somebody to come along. 
How do you locate someone to get assistance from? Well, you got to hear them. Yeah. got to hear them and say, excuse me, hello, or excuse me, or hey. Yeah. Sometimes they pass right by. Does that work? Excuse me? Yeah, it works. Excuse uh-huh. me, or hello. What kinds of things? Also, you pray. You pray? You yeah, pray. That helps. What kinds of things do you use as landmarks? Um, you can use, like, again, you can use traffic patterns. You can use um, things in the sidewalk as you're walking along, you know, uphill, downhill. So, like, after the hill it's going to be, or after a big opening, or, um, or what else do I use? Sometimes I can see enough to see, like, a that there might be a canopy overhead because it, it gets darker if you look up, you know. Neat. Is it different from the dog and a cane with landmarks? Yeah, because with a, with a cane, sometimes you trail the, you can trail like the buildings. Uh-huh. And you're looking for, also like even with a dog, if you say left and side, you might know it's the building you want or don't want because let's say the building you want has one step up. Right. Or the door is, is a certain, you know, a feel to that door handle. Right. So you can do that, too. And if it's not the one you say, oh, thank you, but let's keep going. Yeah. Neat. Or how far it is from the corner, you know, you know how if you walked a certain distance and stuff. Do you belong to any professional or consumer organizations? <sighs> not really. I used to belong to AER. Uh-huh. Um, that was short-lived. Um Why? until they stopped giving you the journal and you had to pay for the journal. I said, forget this. And then, you know what? They really did not have a technology division in the state, so I said, forget it. It's really, you know, this is... um, And we talked about starting one, and it was going to be a lot of work to do it. And um, I don't think there were going to be enough people interested in doing it. Um, I used to belong to NFB, and now I I kind of... I've been to guide dog user meetings um, in the past, um, I've been to, and I really should, should go back next week if I can if I can get the time. There's a computer users group group for visually impaired people in New York that actually I helped to start with friends of mine um, that have kind of gone away from it because you know you know kind of I mean at the end of the day you say oh, I just want to go home yeah I just want to go home so at this point none. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you read the Braille Monitor, you read the Braille Forum, you try to look at it, and somebody says, hey, there's an article, good article in the um, Journal of Blindness and Visual Impairment, you go, okay, I'll read that. Right. I belong to a couple of email lists. Um, one, is, one is one particular screen reader for Windows, and the other one is the other particular screen reader for Windows, and, and um, one is the Duxbury Braille Translator list, so that kind of keeps me, you know. Neat. Yeah. How did ADA impact you? Do you notice? Different? You know, the one way is that you see a lot of more Braille signage now. Like yeah. I say, on the on the hotels, you see it on the rooms, you see it on the elevators, you see it in the elevators and buildings. Neat. And um, more than ADA, I mean, you you see, like now that everybody is going internet crazy and email crazy, things now become accessible to you because if they're sending an email and they're sending a text out an email, you can read it. Right. Neat. What do you attribute to your present level of mobility? I think I had some good training um, from, you know, the two people that I mentioned. I think Bob Sundberg and then this guy, Alan Jenkins, who's a blind guy out in California. 
and also the guide dog trainers that I've had. Do the dog guide trainers also give you mobility instruction? Well, in some ways, like you know, like you're talking about the you're talking about the traffic patterns. Uh huh. And I, I think the first time I was at Guiding Eyes, way back in the '60s, when I really didn't know a lot about traffic patterns, I think we actually did some of that stuff. Neat. Yeah. Would you get more mobility instruction? Would I get it now? Uh -huh. I probably don't need it now. Okay. What do you think of blind mobility instructors? Well, I had a good experience with it. What's that? I, said, I had a good experience, uh -huh. you know, from, from the blind people. I picked up a lot of, um, when I was working with Alan, that sort of unofficially that summer, I mean, I it was really good. Yeah. Exactly. It was really good. Because I used to think, how can a blind person, you know, um, do that? Because don't they have to kind of watch it? No, not really. Explain that to me. What do you mean? Um, because we'd be traveling along, and I mean, I was always thinking that somebody had to kind of watch you, and um, but really, I mean, if if, if you're tapping that cane, they know where you are. Uh huh. I knew a blind guy who trained a guide dog for himself and trained a guide dog for his girlfriend and then trained another guide dog that another guy eventually got. And he was, those dogs were very well trained and he had somebody helping him with the traffic. That was the only thing that, you know, that he really needed help with, but other things he really, really, really had some well-trained guide dogs. Neat. I've actually spoke to a guy who trained his own dog guide before. That was uh -huh. the first time I'd ever heard of that. It's neat that you know somebody too. Yeah. I know a, a girl, well, I know Aubrey, I don't know her now. I've met her once or twice a long, long time ago, and I guess she trained her guide dog, too. What sort of strategies do you use for learning new environments? Like when you went to college, I mean, how would you learn your way around? Well, you kind of, you know what, you go around with somebody. Uh-huh. Like we talked about this when I was in distant training with a guide dog, and um, I said to Mark, you know, the hardest thing is, you go to some conference, you're in some hotel, and then you have to go to some other hotel, some restaurant, and they tell you, oh, you go across the parking lot. And I said, oh, God, parking lot's horrible. It's open space. Yeah. And he said, well, go with somebody and put the dog on heel. So the dog isn't concentrating on guiding you, and the dog is just kind of looking at where this person is going. Yeah. Because Neat. There's really, I mean, there is no way. I mean, we did some, some country stuff with, with a cane, and, again, it, you can do landmarks. If there are landmarks, you can do them. Right. But if you're out in that open park, you'll forget it. Right. That's where you get disoriented. So do you think that's like an area that could be addressed by mobility instructors? Yes. Parking lots. If you if you guys could figure out any way to do parking lots, to teach people how to do parking lots, I want to be the first one. <laughs> well, I was thinking um, more like how to get to someone to go with you and to give you orientation information. I mean, like people teaching or teaching someone to be more handy with getting the information they need from anybody mm -hmm. friends family mm -hmm. i don't know but yeah i mean parking lots that's definitely that's that, hard that's hard especially if there isn't much traffic around no it's very hard i mean even if there is traffic around right well you would want to go towards the traffic yeah well yeah so you don't get stuck but if you're looking for the, if you're looking for out of the parking lot. Right. Then what? 
Well, I imagine if you had a sense before you go into the parking lot yeah. and you get a, a line of direction of how are the cars parked, Yeah. then like you could locate a car and see are you still going in that same direction? Yeah, that's what I've done, yeah. That's neat. Yep. Well, what else have you done? In parking lot? Yeah. Hoped and prayed. <laughs> the dog, get me out of here. <laughs> well, gee, Myrna, I really appreciate you taking this time to talk to me. Well, I'm finally, I'm glad that we finally did this. Yeah. I'm glad because we've been kind of, you know, it's been months and months and months and months. But I'm glad that we finally did. <laughs> Great. Okay? Yes. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Myrna is a very intelligent woman who studied music, a career many bright children born blind were funneled into. Her husband was a blind piano tuner, another career historically taught to intelligent students at schools for the blind. Myrna broke free of it and joined the modern world in a career of assistive technology. She was using GPS before it was cool. She grew up a dependent traveler. At school, she relied on a guide. She learned travel techniques walking with a group of blind friends. Throughout her life, she continued to learn strategies that helped her to be a robust, independent traveler, someone who did not have to learn a route before she traveled it by herself, the way she was taught in high school. Myrna described a world that was not welcoming of her preferred mobility tool, the dog guide. Her family, agencies employing and serving people who are blind, and taxis all asked her to leave her dog at home. Blind people, no matter what age, should not have so many barriers to using mobility tools that are essential to independence with safety. Denying entry to dog guide users or denying bell canes to blind toddlers is discrimination. And discrimination is harmful and perpetuates inequality. You've been listening to the Safe Toddlers Podcast. To learn more about our mission to provide blind toddlers with a solution for walking independently with safety, we can be found through social media. Our website is safetoddles.org. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Safe Toddles. And remember, if you can go where you want to, you should do so as independently and safely as possible. Thanks for listening, and please like, share, and let others know we're here. Come find us. This podcast was made available by generous donations from people like you. We can go if we want to, kind of young and so am I. And we can just feel me from a hot school, a big fence, a prize, and with a victory cry.